from Harry Brown's Farm, Starks, Maine, where there is music in the cafe at night and revolution in the air. Dig at harryshill.net and Facebook Harry Brown's Farm. The WERU Community Advisory Board will hold a meeting at the Unitarian Universalist Church of Ellsworth on the Bucksport Road, Route 1, on Thursday, June 5th from 6.30 until 8 p.m. The Community Advisory Board is a group of listeners appointed to WERU's Board of Directors to provide feedback about how well the radio station is serving the community. All listeners in the area are invited to bring comments and questions to this informal meeting. WERU General Manager and Board of Directors will be there to listen to feedback and answer questions about the station. Reservations are not required, but calling 469-6600 or emailing info at weru.org to let us know you're coming would be helpful. More information is available online at weru.org. There will be another cab meeting in Belfast on June 25th at the Belfast Free Library. Stay tuned for future announcements. Support for Talk of the Towns comes from the Maine Community Foundation, partnering with donors and nonprofits to strengthen Maine's economy by focusing on education, leadership, and quality of place. On the web at maincf.org. The time is 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor and streaming online everywhere at WERU.org. Talk of the Towns with your host Ron Beard is up next. Good morning and welcome to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities to share what works to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns is produced with support from Cooperative Extension, the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine with offices statewide. Cooperative Extension puts knowledge to work with the people of Maine and like WERU, whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio, in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be of benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. Well, the latest climate report doesn't mince any words. We're already experiencing the effects of climate changed by human activity. At the same time we adapt to those changes, we continue to look for ways to reduce our carbon footprint. The residents of Samso Island in Denmark have already shown us some ways forward. Um, our program this morning will learn more about the connections between Samso Island and the offshore islands of Maine and a new collaboration between the Island Institute and College of the Atlantic to share approaches to non-carbon sustainable energy production. And I'm so happy to have some guests in the studio. Um, Darren Collins is president of College of the Atlantic. Welcome to you, Darren. Hi, Ron. Thanks for having us. Jay Friedlander is a professor and, he, and works in the field of um, sustainable business. And, and uh, welcome to you, Jay. Thanks so much, Ron. It's great to be here. And Anna Demio um, is a, uh, a woman who's been hired by the college to help with um, energy courses and kind of the, the administration of this project. 
glad to have you here with, with us, Anna. Thanks, Ron. Nice to be here. And by full disclosure, I should announce that I'm a, or now, or just say that I'm a trustee at the college, an adjunct faculty member, and was so grateful that these folks stepped in when um, some other guests um, declined to participate in a program um, because of schedule changes. So thank you very much for being here, all of you. Darren, let's start with you. A little bit of background on yourself and, and uh, how you came to College of Atlantic, both times, perhaps, as a student and then as president. That's right. And... In full disclosure, Ron, uh, Ron Beard, everyone should know, was my outdoor orientation program trip leader when I came to the College of the Atlantic the first time as a student in 1998, 88, sorry, 1988. And uh, I've been president now for, for three years. I had a fantastic experience at COA and went on to do a PhD in cultural anthropology and worked for 10 years with the World Wildlife Fund before coming back uh, mm. to serve as president. Anna, tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. So my background's in industry as an electrical engineer, and but for the past eight years I've been teaching physics and engineering and most recently sustainable energy courses at COA. I recently finished a PhD which is focused on community-scale renewable energy um, with an emphasis on smart grid technology. And I'm very happy to start a new position at COA in the fall, which is the Director of Energy Education and Management. Mm, so. Great, great. And Jay Friedlander, a little bit of background on yourself. Uh, sure. I'm the Sharp McNally Chair of Green and Socially Responsible Business at College of the Atlantic. And uh, similar to Anna, I came out of industry. I spent about uh, 10 years doing everything from consulting with Fortune 100 companies to working in the natural and organic food sector and really see enterprise as one of the biggest levers out there to bring about social and environmental change. Mm. And so uh, joined academia to help uh, bring that to a, a new generation of students. So that, that notion that, that business is part of the answer, not part of the problem? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it can be both. Sometimes it's, it's a big part of the problem, but um, the, the question is how do you turn that around and make it um, all part of the solution. Mm. So, Darren, a little bit of background for our listeners on College of Atlantic and its approach to education, and then we'll talk more about this partnership with Island Institute. Sure. Um, the College of the Atlantic just celebrated its 40th year, so we've been around since the late uh, 1960s, and the college was founded as a response to a lot of the cultural and ecological upheaval that was happening at that time. And what's remained true to the college over the past 40 years is that um, really part of the issue, part of the key problem in what we're seeing in the environment is the way we are educated. And if we can change the way we do education, that's going to become a big part of the solution. So since its founding, the College of the Atlantic has stressed interdisciplinary project-based um, orientations to, to, to doing work, you know, getting students out in the field, doing work beyond just learning in the classroom has an impact for their own lives and on society. And so, so from, from day one, the college has really shaped itself around getting students out in the field working on interdisciplinary problem solving. And something called human ecology? Yes. The interesting thing is um, no matter what path you take through the College of the Atlantic and you shape your own path as a student at COA, the degree you come out with is a Bachelor of Arts in human ecology. So you can be a photographer and a human ecologist. You can be an environmental scientist and a human ecologist. You can be a writer and a human ecologist. But you see the world through a different 
different lens and understand that a lot of the problems that we confront are very, very complex problems. And only by taking this kind of interdisciplinary approach, bringing the sciences, the arts, and the humanities together, can you really get your arms around some of those problems? And you kind of, um, as, a, as a new uh, president, kind of began to look around for potential partnerships to, to advance that. And you came upon the Island Institute. Tell us a little bit about that connection, and, and then we'll go more about SAMHSA Island and sure. the course that's being offered in the fall. What I saw is that the College of the Atlantic, maybe more than any other place on the planet, our place is absolutely fundamental to who we are as an institution. We sit where our front yard is in the Gulf of Maine and our backyard is in Acadia National Park, and that is an incredibly important piece to the learning experience for students. And I wanted, as president, I want to emphasize that. And I met Rob Snyder, who's the director of the Island Institute a few years ago, and we are both anthropologists, we're both bald, and we're both <laughs> about, you know, in our, in our mid-40s, and I said, I really want to help reshape the way higher education can work in the world. And as, as we all know, the world of higher education is on shifting sands now. It's a really dynamic environment. And what I wanted to do with this partnership is redefine or rethink the way um, an institute of higher education can integrate into a local community. And we are really fortunate to have you know, islands out in the Gulf of Maine that are really dynamic um, communities and are also facing some challenging problems. And so Rob and I thought that collaborating the Island Institute and the College of the Atlantic and island communities could really shape the way, uh, the, the future for what it is to be a college and what it is to be a development organization and what it is to be a rural community. And so although this partnership has some very clear proximate things that we're trying to wrestle with, energy being one of them, we have a much larger goal also. And this larger goal is to try and reshape the way the world of higher education and rural life works. So mm. it's, a, it's an exciting opportunity for us. Anna, what led you to be interested in, in engineering and electrical engineering and then sustainable energy? It seems like, it seems like a bit of a leap, huh? Yeah, well, not necessarily. <laughs> no, no. Just As you were saying. Um, so one thing I did, when I started off in industry, I was doing design, uh, engineering design, and then I moved into systems. And what I quickly learned is that some of the best engineering designs that are out there never make it to uh, the general public. And that's because engineering is just one piece of it. And really, in order to make real change or, or real, bring a real product to market, you have to have um, many parts. You have to have the techni technology, but you also have to have the business, the economics, and, and in renewable energy, a social component. And that's where the community piece really matters. And mm -hmm. so when students take... Uh, most of my classes are project-based. They're projects where they're doing renewable energy projects either on campus or in the community. And what they quickly learn is that although you might have a great idea, that idea isn't going to go anywhere unless you can reach out to community members, um, make sure that there's understanding at the fundamental level, trust at the fundamental level, and that uh, although everyone might buy into this idea, that everyone agrees philosophically or politically or whatever, the economics also have to make sense. So. Almost every course I teach also has an economic component. 
whether it's asking the college for funds to do some efficiency projects on campus or working with a local restaurant to change the way they heat their water or um, or or do whatever their their uh, need is that it has to make economic sense to them and so I think that sort of holistic approach that uh, interdisciplinary approach is what students really gain um, through this sort of experiential learning. And renewable energy just lends itself so well to that because it's interesting, it's relevant, people want to do it, they just, they need to see how to do it. And I think that the skills that students learn doing these community-based projects are skills they can take no matter what they do in their life, whether mm. it's whether it's in their communities, in their work environment, at home, being able to take a project, break it down into parts, and uh, deliver some final results is invaluable. Mm. And so that kind of interdisciplinary approach led you to work with Jay? Yes, definitely. Yeah, so Jay, how do, how do you kind of um, connect um, with your business background with Anna's work in, in sustainable energy? Yeah. Well, one of the wonderful things at the, at the college is that you are actually encouraged to work with colleagues who are in different fields. So there are, there are very few walls between them. And I think similar to what Anna is talking about, uh, in the sustainable business program, we have students both starting their own enterprises and working and consulting in enterprises around the community. And so they quickly learn about this this tangle of issues that both Darren and Anna referred to. And this project, frankly, is one that uh, excites students and they and one where they really do need to have an understanding of what is happening in the engineering and the energy piece um, as well as the community part. And then they need to be able to talk about, you know, what are what is the return on investment? You know, how do you model this out financially? How do you think about what is the value proposition in this for the customer? Um, and how do you bring all those different pieces to bear? So having um, all of those parts come together is is both what's exciting about it and challenging and working in the communities as an added piece with community members who are doing some amazing things um, is just a tremendous opportunity. I think my favorite part about this is that when students are done with these kinds of projects, they don't only, they're able to talk about what they learned, but more importantly, when they're leaving school, they can talk about what they've done. Mm. And they've mm. had those real experiences, um, and, and it gives them insights far beyond just being in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So what led to SAMHSA Island? How uh, have each of you kind of found out about SAMHSA? I remember a speaker coming to COA and at the University of Maine a number of years ago. Um, who wants to take that? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So Soren Hermanson, who is the kind of the driving force behind the the SAMSO project, he came to speak actually at the Island Institute in what year was that? Two thousand eight. Two thousand eight, and uh, and then fortunately he came up to COA to speak, and that was I believe Jay's first year at the college. It was my first real hands-on practicum course at the college, and we were both in the audience listening to Soren talk about community, talk about how it wasn't just about becoming green, but how it was an economic driver for the island, uh, kind of a new model where everyone had buy-in, and Jay and I kind of looked at each other and was like, this is what we need to do, and that was um, five years ago, and um, since then, we've had some collaboration in that students have gone to SAMHSA, uh, Jay's been there, and some other faculty, and uh, we've been supportive of each other's work, and then Soren came back recently this past October, and we started really getting down to the nuts and bolts of could we make this happen. And um, Jay, what would Americans be surprised about if they um, were able to go to SAMHSA Island? 
I think uh, the, the the biggest surprise and in, in revelation for people is, and SAMHSA is a carbon negative community. So let's let's we'll start there. And yes. They produce more renewable energy than they consume. Um, and what I think most people would be surprised with, oftentimes people think about sustainability in the U.S. as a zero sum game. So someone wins and someone loses. And this is a case of everybody winning. So while they're a carbon negative community, it's, as Anna mentioned, it's led to tremendous economic renewal and revitalization of their community. Um, they face, they're an island off the coast of Denmark facing many of the same problems that our island communities are facing. Um, and it's really re- led to tremendous renewal of this you know, agricultural, agricultural and tourism community mm. um, that's, that's there. Darren? Yeah, and so when COA and the Island Institute you know, set down and uh, the Island Institute has a long history of working with island communities. And they asked, you know, what are those issues that you're confronting as community members? Energy is obviously one that that really jumped out at a lot of people. Um, And so when we were originally designing this partnership, it only made sense to link up Jay and Anna and Soren and the SAMSO opportunity. And the really interesting thing about moving forward is, again, taking what is you might think of as a traditional college experience, but bringing in community members, uh, that, that's, a, that's something really different. And so not only are we trying to address some energy issues that our island communities are, are facing, but we're also actively integrating community members into the college and that's that 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 plays for some really interesting uh interesting interactions for sure great i'll just remind listeners they're tuned to talk of the towns here on weru we're talking about energy and islands uh, connecting samso island in denmark and islands off the coast of maine and our guests in the studio are darren collins Jay Friedlander and Anna Demio of College of Atlantic. In a little while, we'll talk with Heather Deese and, and Suzanne McDonald from Island Institute by phone. But um, so you envisioned this course um, that would involve students and community members going to Samso Island. Tell me the elements of this course, and that's going to happen in the fall. Yes, Anna. So this will be a course at COA. We call it a monster course, which is basically the a three course series. So students who register for this are only taking these three courses. I say only, it'll be a lot of work, but um, they, uh, that gives us some flexibility, flexibility to go to SAMHSA, flexibility to do some traveling to the islands while we're back here in Maine. So the first three weeks we'll spend on SAMHSA Island and we'll be learning um, what they did, hands-on, working with the people who made this happen, working with the people who are living with the, the new paradigm of what that is SAMHSA right now. And there'll be some, uh, hopefully some focused areas, on um, whether it's going to be electric vehicles or central heating systems, um, innovative investing options. And uh, while we're there, it won't just be the COA students, as you mentioned, it'll also be islanders from several of Maine islands that will come um, to join us. And the, the goal is that students and Maine Islanders will work together on learning and developing some projects. Mm-hmm. And then we'll come back to the States, <clears throat> excuse me, we'll come back to the States and implement some of these projects. So the first stage within this monster course is to develop feasibility studies for demonstration projects. So the idea is that we'll, we'll separate into groups. Hopefully there'll be some groups that are 
are a combination of students and islanders working on real projects on islands, both MDI and the outer islands. And then after the end of the courses, um, when the course is complete, that these projects will have some momentum to go forward and actually be implemented in the year ahead. Mm. One of the things that uh, I notice is that whenever you can get some kind of exchange, and I'm sure there's an ecological principle of exchange of energy and that sort of thing, but when people go somewhere else and experience something, something happens inside them, and when they come home, something happens in, in the community. And you've really doubled that by having both students and community members come into it. Yeah. And I think, you know, we're, we're going out to SAMSO as a place of inspiration to do exactly what you're talking about. And when you look at SAMSO and what they've done, some people, when they think about renewables, you know, they just think about one aspect like wind or solar. And out there, they've done everything from district heating, um, using, uh, using uh, agricultural waste for heat. Um, they have wind. They've done a ton of conservation work. Um, they've done solar. And what is really unique about this is much of it has been funded through the local community. So mm -hmm. they've used a community-based investment platform to get these products to happen. And so, and that's what's really resulted in this renewal that I, that I spoke about earlier. So it, we are doing exactly what you're saying by bringing um, both uh, COA students and Islanders out to SAMHSA to break the field wide open and really look for new and inspirational ways that people maybe haven't thought of before. Mm. You've actually had a student there this last year um, who he's happens to be in one of my classes. What, what's he been doing and, and how does that getting ready for the f course in the fall? Anna? Yeah. Nick Urban. Nick is phenomenal and we were really lucky um, to have him on SAMHSA doing a 10-week internship with uh, the Energy Academy there and he did Oh, so much work out there. One of the things you did, so I should say that we're all really excited about this partnership, no doubt, the Islands 2 COA, but the Energy Academy on SAMHSA is also equally very excited about this, both because they're excited to have us out there, but they are really looking to move to um, a place where they can offer these long-term, longer extended stay learning opportunities for mm -hmm. other schools. So in that we're a bit of a guinea pig and we're happy to be that. And what Nick did when he was there is he developed for them what a three-week educational opportunity would look like for the Energy Academy. And, and so when he did, he was very conscious of the idea that although he used a lot of what he learned at COA, he, he used some of the models that we use in the Human Ecology core course at COA to develop this for SAMHSA, he was very conscious of the fact that this is a model that they want, want to be open enough to accommodate other schools and other groups. So in doing that, he developed, he went and met a zillion people, uh, or I don't think there's a zillion people on SAMSO, but a whole bunch of people on SAMSO on his bike and developed a map of sorts um, so that when we get to SAMSO, the students and the community members can actually travel around the island meeting and speaking with these people who have had either a role in the, in the work on SAMSO or have been affected by it, impacted by it, and through that, everyone's going to get to have a better sense of what is SAMHSA, what is the community, and that is the, the number one thing you have to do when you, when you start looking at these projects, understand the community and the community dynamics that you're going into. So Nick has been um, phenomenal putting that together, and we're very lucky that he's going to be the TA for the course, so he'll be coming back with us to SAMHSA in the fall. Mm. And, and uh, Darren, is that typical of a student just going out to, to do this, this kind of prep work for something major like this? 
It is, and Nick and this project is new, but mm-hmm. it's, it's not atypical. And I just, I can't wait until Nick is at his first job interview and that employer says, so what did you learn uh, when you were in college? And like Jay said earlier, it's not about, I mean, learning is obviously important, but can you imagine Nick telling the story of his own senior project and his own experience? I just think for for the future of higher education, you able to deliver that message, it is gonna be absolutely extraordinary. So uh, it is, this is how we try and build what we do at the College of the Atlantic. So this is this is a great example of it. And I just have to say, Nick is super excited. And the other, there are 13 other students, mm-hmm. right? Uh, 13 other COA students. But Anna and Jay had their first meeting on campus with the students and the, our partners with the Island Institute and the Islanders. And they asked me to come and I, you know, spent a few minutes and within across that few minutes you could tell that this excitement was way beyond just our own students that there was a palpable energy of excitement in that in that room and people uh, are very very excited to take this on and they and the way i described it was it had a feel of what pioneers must have felt like because i think there's this real sense of doing something extraordinary and doing something really different and so that was that was a great I, I think a great omen for for mm. what we're going to take so on as here. as an anthropologist um, th- these are two different communities they're islands but they're Samso is is uh, part of a European community we're talking about uh, communities that are part of a, a Maine or New England kind of community how will you, will students and Islanders kind of look at that cultural shift and, and difference and, and Jay the the entire first week of the course is spent exactly in doing exactly that and going around, as Anna was saying, to the different parts of the island and finding out what is the community like, how do they make this work. And the, the three pillars of the course are, are around uh, community, uh, energy, and investing. So you, that, that'll be integrated throughout and something, you know, and, and oftentimes to be, uh, to be candid, the, the easiest parts are the you know, the financial modeling and the engineering, and it's the community and people piece that's often the most complex. Mm. And so we'll be getting into that in the students by working with folks from both the Island Institute and, and the participants from the islands will also get a real sense of, oh, here is what is possible and not possible in those communities. But you know, we'll be devoting a lot of time to, to talking about that, exploring the community on SAMSO, as well as exploring the communities uh, back here in Maine. One of the things that I've observed about other exchange-type programs is um, they take people there and people come home. It's kind of up to them to figure out this. You're designing the after-effect or the implementation phase right into this so people feel supported to to carry this on. And that's part of your partnership with the Allen Institute. I hope we're going to get some folks from from that institution on the phone um, in a few minutes. But, um, Darren, what what are the other things that you're seeing in this partnership that – that allow the, the carry forward. Yeah. Um, we've all seen this, right? We've all seen projects that have are short, relatively short-term with definitive beginning and ending periods, and they fall off precipitously after that. And sometimes that can be a damaging experience. Um, so, yeah, from the, from the start, we were thinking about how do we actually endow this so that we can continue to work on this this 
problem in this project over the, the long term because we're all very clear that we're not going to solve anything within the next six months or mm-hmm. a year. These are, these are really thorny, and I don't even like to call them problems, but like to call them issues yeah. or opportunities. Yeah. And so making sure we have a funding mechanism to ensure the long term is, is really important. And thanks to the, the generous support of the Partridge Foundation, we've been, we've been able to do that. Um, and they issued kind of a challenge to you in the islands to, that's to, right. to kind of raise some of this um, endowment yourself. That's right. This this summer we're going to be officially launching, so you're actually getting a little of a sneak. Okay, well, sneak, sh- sh- we won't tell. <laughs> you're getting a sneak peek <laughs> at what we're doing here. But, yeah, we will have a, a large challenge to try and um, – store away some some capital so that we can make sure that questions around energy, questions around food, around education, and the environment are something that we can work on over the long mm. term, over mm. the next decades if, 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 we, if we have to. And I think um, it's important to know, I think Anna and, and Jay are going into this with open eyes, that this is an experiment and we don't we don't really know what's going to come out of this SAMSO trip, what, what kind of lessons will be learned there, and what the community members, because we want to make sure that they're really in the driver's seat, uh, because they're the ones that are faced with these challenges on a day-in, day-out basis. So we want them to be really in the kind of control seat. So, And, and what islands are being or might be represented in the, the, the folks going to, to SAMSO? Do you have a sense of that? Uh-oh. Blank uh, looks. Maybe maybe we can get some. Is this call, call a friend kind of time? And <laughs> yeah, then, call a friend. Uh, no. I, yes, I, I know we, some what? of them. I just don't know if I know all of them. Let's see if we can try this out. There's Swans. Pe- and Peaks. Peaks. Vinyl Haven. Long Island. Long Island. <laughs> and we're, now, we're, we're going to go to the experts. Yeah, we have the, the Island, island, the yes, island Institute. Um, so we're so happy to... I'll, I'll remind listeners they're tuned to Talk of the Towns. We're talking about energy and islands. In the studio with us are Anna Demio, Jay Friedlander, and Darren Collins of College of the Atlantic. And um, on the phone with us, we have Heather Deese from Island Institute. Welcome to Talk of the Towns, Heather. Welcome, Heather. Hi, thank you. So glad that you could be with us. And I don't know if you heard that last bit, but we were we were quizzing um, both uh, Anna and Jay about the islands that might be represented in this trip to Samso. And uh, maybe you can help us out with that. And and but before you do that, give us a little background on Island Institute, what it, what its mission is, and and uh, the kinds of programs Island Institute um, carries out over time. Sure. Thanks. Um, yeah. Before getting into the specifics of the collaborative project on energy, um, which I probably will pass the phone over to my colleague, Suzanne McDonald, who directs our energy program to talk about that. But I'm really happy to give everybody a sense of the Island Institute and um, and what we do and why we're so excited about this partnership. Um, so we're a community development organization. Um, some folks, I hope, out there have heard about us. Um, we are headquartered in Rockland in the Midcoast, and we've been around for 30 years. Um, we work across a whole um, range of different areas of programming and projects and issues, um, basically being flexible to meet the needs of the 15 year-round islands that are unbridged. So they're islands you reach by ferry or um, small plane or personal lobster boat running back and forth. Um, and there are 5,000 year-round residents of, of these 15 year-round islands in Maine. and. Uh, and the islands are um, up and down the coast as well. There's, there's a group of islands in Casco Bay 
and another group in Penobscot Bay and then down east. Um, and so organizationally, um, we focus on the questions and issues and ideas um, coming from the island communities as well as remote coastal communities. Um, so there are 144 working waterfront communities in the state of Maine. So those are our towns, um, harbors along the coast where um, there's at least one wharf um, where people are working, doing uh, commercial fishing or uh, recreational um, boating marinas and so forth. And many of those communities, especially the ones down the peninsulas or further down east, share a lot in common with islands mm-hmm. and, um, and struggle with similar issues um, and are looking for similar types of support. So um, organizationally, as I mentioned, we've been around long enough. We've sort of adjusted what we have done over time, depending on what needs are out there. Right now, we have six core focus areas for our programming. And um, those are really responsive to to what communities have told us their needs are. Um, So we have K-12 educational programming. We have a marine resources program that focuses on fisheries, um, fisheries businesses, uh, marine natural resources. We have our energy program, which is the one that Suzanne leads and she can speak to the, the origins of that program, which is one of our newer areas of work in the last five years or so. And then we also have a community development program um, economic development work and our media work. Mm. And a lot of people are probably familiar with some aspects of our media work, the Working Waterfront newspaper, which is a, a free paper available along the coast. Um, we, we have about 50,000 readers of that paper. It comes out about monthly. And um, hopefully amongst the, the <laughs> listeners <laughs> today, right. there are lots of Working Waterfront readers. Um, and we also have an Island Journal annual publication that we do and our media team has really worked over the last couple of years to expand to be able to do videos and uh, and different sort of ways of telling stories and capturing you know successes and um, and questions and ideas and personalities um, culture and, and art from the islands um, our community development work um, people may also be familiar with our fellows program yes. which is a program through which we place 10 um, young people usually recent college grads um, in communities, islands and, and coastal communities to work on local community projects. And so they're hosted by um, a local organization and um, they respond to and, and work on a project for one or two years and they live and, and work in a community um, with a local advisor. And so it's, it's a little bit like a, a local Maine um, Peace Corps program, except that it's really responding to specific needs. You know, a historical society who wants to digitize their archive or a school that would like help getting more technology into the classrooms um, or a, a community environmental group that would like to do a survey of invasive species, um, all kinds of different projects. Um, right. And that's one of our our projects we're, we're really proud of. We're actually celebrating our 15th year of the fellows program this year, and we'll be placing our 100th fellow this fall. So that's very exciting. That's great. Well, why don't, why don't we um, hear from Suzanne and talk a little bit more about um, the, the, the energy connection. Fantastic. So I'm going to hand the phone over to Suzanne. Welcome to Talk of the Town, Suzanne. So glad that you could be um, with us this morning. Um, a little bit about uh, um, how you came to Island Institute and, and what this energy focus has been, and then we'll talk more about the SAMSO connection. Sure. Great. Well, thanks for having me, Ron, and, and hi to Anna and 
uh, Jay and Darren in the studio. It's great to, to be on with you guys. Um, I came to the Island Institute about five years ago uh, with a background in community organizing, uh, international development, and environmental policy, and sort of have seen my work here combine all of those areas of interest, really, to try to support community members to uh, implement projects of, of importance to them and make a difference in, in their community uh, to be more sustainable, both from an environmental uh, point of view, from an economic point of view and from a community development point of view. And so um, when I came on to the Island Institute, it was in large part due to connections um, to Monhegan Island, which some folks may have heard, uh, especially with the conversations about offshore wind across the state recently, that Monhegan actually pays one of the highest electricity rates in the entire nation. And that was sort of the impetus for me to get involved in energy work, having lived and worked on Monhegan seasonally for several years. I got to know the folks running the power company and got to see the power plant uh, that generates electricity off of diesel fuel and started to see the impact of high electricity prices on that particular community that has really been struggling to maintain uh, its year-round population. And so at the time in, in 2007, 2008, the island's as a whole, we're experiencing a number of shocks when it comes to energy prices. As we saw uh, events like Hurricane Katrina and what happened to the global economy in 2008 really had sort of a, a trickle-down effect to the islands in terms of the uh, their access to energy sources. The way in which they, many of them purchase electricity uh, was not able to... Um, to buy buy electricity in advance, uh, they were actually sort of they weren't insulated through long-term power purchase contracts, and they were sort of buying it on the spot market. And when we saw huge uh, impacts to supply in 2005 with Hurricane Katrina, and in 2008, they really were hit the hit the worst. And at the same time, people realized that the islands are surrounded by some fantastic renewable energy resources. The wind blows all the time. It's really what powered these communities, um, uh, you know, 100 years or more ago. And, um, you know, the sun shines, the tides run, and uh, a lot of people had interest in trying to capture those resources. And so at that point, um, with the support of Hannah Pingree, the Speaker of the House at that time, really helped us to start tackling the question of energy. And that was really the beginning of our energy program, was starting to look into renewable resources as a way to lower the cost of electricity. And um, since then, we've really expanded our impact uh, and support around energy issues to include heating use and weatherization work, energy efficiency, energy education, um, working with island businesses to become more profitable by lowering their energy costs. And so it's really become a really multifaceted program that we're really excited about. And this partnership with College of the Atlantic is just sort of the latest iteration of all of that work. And and um, uh, Darren has described uh, kind of the excitement that was in the room when Islanders and and COA College of Atlantic students and faculty and and your staff got together. Um, what were you seeing in that meeting? Oh, I did totally agree with how Darren characterized it. I think we were very excited about it. I think um, we ran a, a pretty competitive application process to select five island participants in this program, and I think the five folks who we selected are just phenomenal participants that will both bring a lot to this experience for uh, the, the bigger group, including the students and COA faculty and, and the other islanders um, that are part of the cohort. I think they're also going to take quite a bit from it. And so I think the folks that we have selected are really seeing this as a, as a transformational opportunity for them and their communities and are really looking forward to working very closely with COA to implement projects um, going forward. 
Islanders have no shortage of, of good ideas. It seems like this experience in SAMHSA will get them to see how another community has dealt with those situations, those opportunities, and kind of bring some things home. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think there's great work going on uh, in on the main islands right now when it comes to energy work, and a lot of these uh, the participants will be seeking to leverage the groundwork they've already laid in their communities. But of course, it's it's inspiring to see what's happened on Samso. And sometimes, you know, being island residents, being living in pretty remote locations, you can sometimes feel pretty alone mm-hmm. when you take on an endeavor the size that some of these folks are taking on. And so, a lot of what we try to do is help to network islanders both in Maine, uh, throughout New England, across the country now, and, and now even internationally, to try to help um, realize that they're not alone in these efforts and that they can learn a lot from each other. And I, I think that will certainly be the case on SAMSO. Great. Well, we're going to let uh, you and Heather go at this point because we want to take some phone calls. Sure. But thanks so much for being with us. And what I pledge is to is to have another show when we ha- can have some students and some islanders back to talk about their experience. Great. So we'll, we'll have you back on the air. Great. I just let folks know that if they're interested to know who is participating in it, yes. we have information on our website with bios on our, our five excellent participants, and I'd encourage them to check those out. Great. But thank you, Ron. Thank you very much. Okay. The Island Institute. And that was Su- Suzanne McDonald and Heather Deese. I'll open up the phone lines now. Um, if folks want to call and participate in our conversation about energy and islands, we're talking about connection, connecting Samso Island and, and islands in Maine, give us a call at 1-866-625-9378. That's 1-866-625-9378. In the studio with us, we have uh, Jay Friedlander, um, a faculty member at College Atlantic, uh, Anna Demio, who's both a faculty member and a, and a, a project manager f- for this work um, and director of sustainability. Is if I got that? Uh, something think, like that? I think something like that. It's director of energy education and management. Thank you. I should have written that all down. That's okay. And Darren Collins, who's president at College Atlantic. Give us a call at 1-866-625-9378. So as you envision kind of um, taking this class, this monster class um, to San so um, you've mentioned what SAMSO might get out of this. Tell me a little bit more about what they're looking for in terms of this notion that they could actually uh, replicate your experience with, with others who might be interested in coming to SAMSO. Jay? So for SAMSO, you know, they've done something incredible. They, they're the first carbon negative community in the world. Um, and for them, they're really interested in spreading this around to other places because every community, be it um, you know, be it whether you're on an island or not, you're you're on an island. Mm-hmm. You know, whether mm-hmm. you're in Maine or in New York City or you know somewhere out in the Midwest, every community is its own island in a sense. And they want to let people know that this is not only something to dream about; that this is something you can do. Um, so for them, this is key to their um, their long term goals of getting this out to as many places as possible. And they already host visitors from around the world, but it's generally it's for really short one or two day uh, sessions. So th- for them, this is a big step to to bring it into a, a higher ed environment and bring people out for a, a longer term experience to really get a sense of what's going on. Mm. Uh, again, our phone number one eight six 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 two five. 9378 or locally 4690500. Anna, you've been working on islands and energy things um, for a long time. Tell us about some of the things that you've already seen and where you think this might go if you kind of boost up the energy, so to speak, around um, sustainability on islands. Sure. Um, so, 
being able to do community scale renewable energy has really shown that that when people are participating in small scale or community scale projects they're more likely to be supportive of larger scale issues and, and solutions so if we want to talk about climate change, climate change is a big problem, and it's going to create, it's going to demand big solutions, and uh, of scales that some of us can't even fathom at this point. But we have to start small. We have to start, uh, and one of uh, Soren Hermanson at, at um, on SAMHSA, one of his mottos, and I think the subtitle to his latest book is "Think locally, act locally," mm-hmm. and. I think that that's really true. And so when we start doing community scale projects, it it number one gets us a little bit further down the road in terms of our energy profile, but it goes a long way to to educating both students and the community itself. So one thing I want to mention is that when Darren was talking about um, the idea of having funding to actually do this implementation, when we were at that meeting the other day with Islanders and with students, and we were talking about these projects originally, it does start in the beginning. It seems a little bit theoretical. Um, what are we going to do? What are the possibilities? And you can see the wheels turning and, and people thinking about what they might want to do. And then we say, well, look, we're going to have some funds to actually implement this. And you can start to see people really feel perk like up. they're part of right. perk up. Well, well, wow, I could really do something. This isn't just theoretical. This is practical. And this is something. No, go ahead. <laughs> this is something that um, I, I want to invest my time and my energy in, I want to work within the community with the islanders or with or with people locally to make something happen, and that that's really exciting. Great. Well, let's take a phone call. Um, that caller give us a call at one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. If you'd go ahead, give us your first name if you'd like, and the community you're calling from, and then go ahead with your question or comment. Uh, good morning, Ron. This is Michael from Stonington. Welcome, and, Michael. Um, yeah. Fascinating show. Thank you for this topic. I think that this should be a topic that is explored more, in fact. Uh, I missed a little bit coming out of the car and getting into the house, but I, I wanted to um, to mention there's another island um, in Europe um, that, that should be of interest to your, to your guests there, and that's the island of Isla, I-S-L-A-Y, which is off the west coast of Scotland. To my knowledge, they're not carbon negative, but they have been for some years carbon neutral. Mm. And um, it's an island the size of Deer Isle, approximately, with about the same year-round population, about um, 3,000. And um, apart from um, being the home to eight Scotch whiskey distilleries, uh, <laughs> it, it is which which makes it rather special in my view. But but it, it is the home to a device called the Wave Gen, um, which is a wave-operated generator that runs off the root of the ocean. And um, which should work, wouldn't work for Deer Isle because we're too protected, but certainly could work for a lot of other um, islands off the coast of Maine or islands anywhere that have exposure to the ocean. And what's great about this particular device is that it, it, um, it doesn't actually, there is no contact between the extremely corrosive salt water and the generator. It actually, the rope pushes into uh, a, a tunnel of sorts and moves air. Mm. Um, and they have one windmill, and so and they are they use absolutely no fossil no electricity from fossil fuel or nuclear. They are new, carbon neutral, and the island transportation system is um, electric buses, the the public transportation, and they are charged up at night by the wave gen. Um, so 
I, I just wanted to throw that out there because I think it's interesting. But but my my question for your for your guests is what can we do about the burgeoning regulations that you know? I heard a show a couple of years ago from a guy on 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 here on ERU who said that he used to be able to put little electric generating plants in without you know fill out a, a one page form and 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 you know a homeowner if he had a stream going through his property could do that, but we seem to be from what I understand you know really buried in in between the Army Corps of Engineers and the EPA and. Um, the state regulations. I mean, I think right here, we've got a mill pond here in Deer Isle. As anybody who's been here knows, that thing empties and fills twice a day. Why can't we put an electrical generator in the culvert there and make some power for the island? Mm. Um, I, I think when you have a 10-foot average tidal rise and fall, I do see there are a couple of applications that have come in now, but I think there are huge opportunities here, and Mainers seem to be dead set against windmills. I think the tide is an excellent, um, excellent opportunity. But um, yeah, I'm going to throw that out there and let you get on with the great show. Okay, thanks, thanks so much, Michael. I th- and and uh, I think we'll take one more call and then we'll get some conversation from our guests. But if you'd like to give us your first name and the town you're calling from, and then go ahead with your question or comment, please. Hi, this is Sid in Appleton. I missed the middle um, ten minutes of your show. But I was wondering if you could give us a, a slight description of what this island is and community is like um, that you're talking about. And then secondly, what is it that, that they actually have done okay. over time to become carbon neutral? And Great. I'll take the answer off the air. Thanks so much for calling. So we've had a couple questions. One is, is what's SAMHSA like? Um, and what size is it? How do they make their living? And what have they actually done? And then we'll talk about regulation. Um, so, Jay, you want to get up a start, and Anna can then pitch in. Sure. Uh, the island in Scotland sounds like a, a worthy visit on a number of different levels. But <laughs> I, I'm going to skip. I'll leave the regulation question to Anna. And just to tell you a little bit about Sam, so it is a largely uh, agricultural community, um, a population, I'd say roughly uh, about what is on MDI. So um, 10,000, something yeah, like roughly that. Yeah, roughly on the year-round population. Mm-hmm. They have a, a heavy influx of tourists in the summer. It is an unbridged island, so everything comes on and off by ferry. Um, and it's, you know, generally small agricultural and fishing communities. Um, and, and in terms of the size, Darren, in terms of the overall size, I mean, I think I, I don't I don't have a, a square mileage or anything like I that. I think it's maybe a little bit bigger than MDI. Yeah. Um, a little bit bigger than MDI. And I don't know if there's even quite 10,000 people on it. So, Jay, you mentioned um, the kinds of energy um, solutions that they've actually put in place. Just go through those one more time, sure. and then we'll um, get to the question of res- regulation. So they've done um, everything out there from district heating plants, so where they've taken out individual boilers out of people's houses and they have a central heating plant uh, that in certain places is run using agricultural waste products. Um, they've done wind, uh, photovoltaics. They've also done... Um, a ton of work around conservation, and then they're they're moving towards uh, implementing an uh, electric car system as well as they keep advancing this project. But they've really explored pretty much every facet of renewable energy, probably with the exception of tidal. 
Mm. Um, you know, which is which is. And you're going to have to go to Isla to learn about yeah, that. Yeah, I think I, this sounds like a, like I said, a, a worthy trip. Brief comment about regulation. That's probably not a, an area that we have a lot of expertise on. But sometimes, you know, um, government um, gets in the way of these kinds of efforts. Absolutely, I think that um, the regulation is a, is a big piece of the puzzle, and one probably the most major difference between what what we're going to see at SAMHSA and what we're going to do back here in Maine is that regulatory and financial structure, things that are allowed there um, are very different than what's what's set up here. And probably for me, the biggest thing I would I would point out is the time frame. Is that when when policy is put in place in Denmark is the one I know about, you can count on that being the policy for 10 years or 15 years. Whereas here in the States, a lot of times it is until the next election cycle. And that's mm. one of the hardest things for business owners, for nonprofits, for communities to be able to model good um, investment structures or investing their money into projects when you don't know if that tax incentive is going to be there, if that rebate's coming to you, if the rules are going to change, we have to move this equipment. And that creates a very uncertain field for us to want, for anyone want to invest money in. Great. And to me, that's the biggest, the biggest piece of it. Well, let's take one more phone call. Um, if you're still there, um, please go ahead with your question or comment. Please, you could give us your first name and the town you're calling from and then go ahead. My name is Sam, and I am uh, from Peaks Island, and I'm actually one of the five uh, islanders that oh, been great. Uh, right. to participate hey, in this program. And um, I, I just wanted to say a couple of things. The, first of all, how grateful I am to the Island Institute and the College of the Atlantic for providing this incredible opportunity. Um, what I uh, really wanted just to say was that um, being in this uh, situation right now, having been selected for this program and having had um, some experience on my island trying to work in some particular areas, it's a tremendously uh, creative time right now. Uh, There's certainly pressure, uh, maybe somewhat self-imposed, to do something that's really impactful and meaningful for for, uh, my own island. Uh, At the same time, I'm so aware of how much I have to learn from this whole process. i I don't know a lot about technology. I don't know a lot about community finance. And so it's sort of a wonderful situation where I'm trying to pin down exactly what it is I would like to do here on uh, Peaks Island, uh, knowing that I have uh, an incredible learning opportunity. uh, And I'm talking, I think, probably as much about the College of the Atlantic and what we'll be doing with them over the course of the fall as I am about going to Denmark. Uh So thank you all for that. Thank you so much for calling, uh, uh, Sam. Uh, Give us a a very brief description of Peaks Island because not all of our listeners would be familiar with Peaks. Well, uh, we jokingly say that Peaks really isn't a main island because we are part of the city of Portland. Uh, We receive our electricity from the mainland so we don't face the challenges that many of the other islands have with electricity costs but we do pay uh, a high premium for um, fossil fuels on the island a a dollar or more for heating oil Um, and so we are also a larger island there are about uh, a thousand residents year-round and we triple or quadruple that in the summer Um, so we're, we're a little different from the other islands Mm. Well, thanks so much for joining us. I look forward to hearing stories from you and your colleagues when you come back. 
Thank you. Okay. That was Sam from Peaks Island. We've got about five minutes left, so what, what haven't we talked about that you'd like to share? Uh, Jay Friedlander first. Yeah, I, I think one thing that Darren brought up that I, that I just wanted to, re- to emphasize is, you know, we're all looking at this as a long-term project, so the course itself is over the 10-week period in the fall. But, um, you know, and then folks will be doing demonstration projects following on from that. But at the coll- on the college's side, um, there are other courses that students will be taking to both reinforce their learning and help them advance their projects. So on the energy side, uh, they can be taking practicum courses with Anna, focusing on how do you implement and expand this. And on the business side, there are courses such as launching a new venture or our sustainable um, enterprise incubator called the Hatchery, where students can actually go in and start uh, an enterprise out of this as part of their education. And so I think and as well, as Darren was saying, the students design uh, their own pathway through through their education so they can incorporate this into senior project work or other independent work. And so for all of us, you know, what's really, I think, the most exciting piece is the, the course is going to be pretty amazing. And then what is what is next and what happens afterwards? Because there's got to be that follow through if you if you really want to make a meaningful impact. So we see this as the start of a journey. Um, and one point that will hopefully lead to lots of other things. Mm. And Darren, it seems like you've got a, a partnership with Island Institute, with the Islanders themselves, and with SAMHSA. Um, the, the notion that everyone will be innovating, solving problems, um, kind of taking this forward. Yeah, uh, Sam's call was was great. I, I may have run into Sam. He was there, I, but I don't know him. And uh, his his description made this whole thing really worthwhile in my eyes. I mean, that was just, well, that he, was what we're trying to do here. And, and he described the, the perfect place for anybody embarking on something to be. Yeah. Curious, yeah. Um, scared, yeah. <laughs> but, but very excited. But pioneering, yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, over the longer term, what we're looking at is we, we know the world is urbanizing, right? So there's a lot of people all over the globe that are moving into cities and cities are always looked to for, oh, that's where a lot of the innovation is coming. But I have the sneaking suspicion that um, we're still going to have a rural community and there's going to be loads and loads of innovation coming from these rural areas. And I think the islands and our own islands in Maine and, yes, in Samso and all over the world um, are going to be kind of hotbeds for this inspiration and this innovation. And, And College of the Atlantic... Island Institute and those communities tapping into that and helping foment it is what I'm just really excited about. Mm. And Anna, as both someone who's been in the field, but also embarking on a new position at College of Atlantic, what are your hopes? What, 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 how would you see this developing? Uh, I think I think both Darren and Jay um, articulated it well. One thing I would add is that uh, in addition to seeing the long-term results and um, moving forward with the energy piece, I'm really excited about the long-term collaboration between COA and the Island Institute and and the islands. This is just the first step. This is the energy piece. Mm -hmm. And as Heather uh, noted in her talk, there was the Island Institute does many different, um, has many different program areas. And I think there's a lot of places where COA and the Island Institute can collaborate on all of these different program areas. uh, including students with Islanders. I think it's meaningful for both groups to work together. I think see, this is just the first step. 
great. First step, that's great. So thanks so much. Uh, we've come to that time when I want to remind you that this program was produced with support from Cooperative Extension and the Hancock County Extension Association. With offices in each county, Cooperative Extension is the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine. Our radio collaboration with WERU began in 1990 and continues with your support. Join us from 10 to 11 on the second and fourth Friday mornings of each month for Talk of the Towns. Our theme music is a medley from Coronac on a Balnain House Highland music recording. Thanks once again to our guests in the studio, Darren Collins, Jay Friedlander, and Anna Demio of College of the Atlantic. And we ha- we're joined by phone by Heather Deese and Suzanne McDonald of the Island Institute. Thanks so much to our underwriters. Thanks to those who called in with your questions and comments. Thanks to Amy Brown for engineering our program, and stay tuned for On the Wing. This is Ron Beard, your host for Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good morning. Support for WERU comes from Village